the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Hello? Jesus was giving the instruction, and then he said something that made the rest of the Jewish folk around him. <sighs> what? You're changing the game? What did you say? This was very interesting. We get to it in today's episode. Hello? What is love? What is love? What is love? You know, we just had Valentine's Day, and I've been kind of mulling over that question, and maybe we could talk about it? We, we totally can. By the way, that's Rochelle. My name is Carter. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. If you are new, welcome. This is where we just talk about our, our quiet times. You know, you read the Bible, they call it a quiet time. So we just kind of audible form it right here. Yeah, and I would I would suggest for your quiet time that you, <laughs> you're quiet because we tend yeah. to get loud. But that's okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be quiet. Well, you, I know, think, you can be out loud with the Lord. He's all good with that, too. But I guess if you were speaking metaphorically, it would oh. be we need to be quiet in our hearts so that we can hear him and not just blurt out things all of the time. Are you saying metaphorically or are you saying? I don't know. Is that the correct terminology? I have no idea, <laughs> but I use it all the time because there's uh, there's uh, similes, metaphors and analogies. Yes. And I have I have no those are interchangeable. <laughs> those are just three ways to say the same thing. We're off to a great start as to why you should listen to us. Hey, some people said that they really liked it. They left a review and oh, and you. very kind words. Um, thank you so much. If you do that, we'd love for you to, to hit the five star thing and, and leave a comment. If so, in fact, this person said um, Visharu said, uh, wow, I can't believe that in the middle of this podcast, I was transported to Disney World with uh -huh. fast passes. Uh -huh. That uh -huh. that apparently happens. For the the Galaxy's Edge, the Millennium Falcon ride. That's right. Which takes you know, like five hours to we, stand in. So we've we we, got your fast pass. Last time we told him just to say that. J just so didn't. maybe it would cause a stir a little so bit. We told him to... No, because well, in, the, in the parentheses, they put just a joke. Oh, okay. So yeah. then it's not deception. It's like, it's like the... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bless her heart. Oh, my word. Did you see her hair? Bless her heart. Or if you start the sentence with, with all due respect, then you can say whatever you want. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> These are things we've learned since moving to Texas. It's you want, awesome. You want to start or you want me to start? You start. All right. I've been going through Mark here and there. And um, by the way, a lot of what I could talk about, I just went on a mission trip to Kenya. And so there's certainly a lot of stuff there. But I had a couple of thoughts on Mark chapter two. I think one of my favorite, I heard a sermon um, about this this section once where he is eating with all the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees are like, how dare you eat mm -hmm. with the, uh, you defile yourself by eating with these sinners and these tax collectors. And Jesus overheard their complaint and he said to them, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick. Mm -hmm. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call those who are sinners and bring them to repentance. And obviously I love that. I think it's a good thing to, even with ourselves, we feel like we have to be good enough and, and look good. Like the Pharisees were all about looking good. And it's like, no, 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 I am the broken. I am along with that group. And I think I'm thankful th that Jesus takes time to eat with me. Yeah. But also like, I never thought about it like this. You know, there's all these stories throughout, especially the gospel. Well, mainly the gospels, uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the gospels. And, um, it's like the Pharisees were just following him around looking for things to point out constantly. Yeah. Like he was like, and I guess he got followed by multiple people, mm -hmm. but it's just like, literally they were like tiptoeing. Oh, 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 oh. And ready to like hit his, you know, wrist with a ruler yeah, or something. If it was today, they'd be the social media trolls. That's exactly right. That's who they are. And, and well, and speaking of today, you know, when I thought about that, I'm like, 
don't I also kind of look at other people well, and go, But hmm. see, there's prime examples in the book of, of, of John we hear from Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was cut from the same cloth as these guys in oh, terms of true. their education. He was super smart. And he wasn't trolling Jesus, but he was just as present as they were on that hillside listening to the words he would say. Yeah. But instead of being harsh and nasty and, and hypercritical. He has questions. He, he actually, because he was a little nervous, what other people are going to say about him. So it was under the cover of night. Yeah. He met up with Jesus and he's like, okay, can you help help me understand what you said? What did you mean when you said dot, dot, dot? Right. So I, I think that's kind of you in terms of like, if you're following somebody along, you're I just want to make sure, what is this person really about? And you're not necessarily leaving an ugly remark. You're just like, huh, I want to see if their fruit, like you, you will know them by their fruit is a term from scripture, which it's like, all right, it's a pear tree. Is pears, are pears mm-hmm. really growing from this tree? Mm-hmm. Are Christian things actually happening? Is it matching up? Yeah. Is he putting his money where his mouth is? Let's find out more sayings. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's how the cow ate the cabbage. That's right. Well, so yes, we need to in, and we were just talking about this earlier this morning about who we surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. And we should have a really good group of people if at all possible, I know there's extenuating circumstances where it's like, man, I work with non-Christians, I'm a single parent. I, I just don't have time to be a part of a small group or, or whatever. But for the most part, we should be reaching out to those that are lost and and serving them. Mm-hmm. But then when it's time to fill back up, we should be around people that are you know like minded and, and will encourage us and lift us back up. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm talking about is when maybe I don't even care for somebody. Maybe it's somebody that I just you know, I'm going to try to love them, but I really can't stand them. And, and whether you work with somebody or it's your, your neighbor that writes you up for HOA things all the time or whatever, you look, I'll just say for me, I'll look for hypocritical things where I could call them out or at least have ammo ready to go if I did need to call them out. So, so give us an example. All right. I had uh, uh, some friends that lived in this neighborhood, speaking of the HOA thing, where they worked till six or seven o'clock. Um, and then the, the, the retired couple, and it's not always, you, you know, older people that do this. Um, but in this case they were retired and they didn't have anything else to do. And if their trash can, uh, if my friend's trash can wasn't up back off the street by six o'clock on a weekday, uh-huh. they would come over and chew them out. They would, they would personally yeah. like, physically show up and chew them out. They would, I think they would even, uh, I think it would, no, excuse me. There was a couple times where they said it, but they would mainly like drag their trash can up to their front door or their garage and they would leave like a nasty note. Um, nah, I, I don't know how nasty, I, I don't want to exaggerate, but just oh. like a, you need to get your trash can up by a certain time. I would say that's nasty. It's not crude, yeah. but it's like, let's. Well, it's uncalled for. It's not nice. And so what I would do in that situation, oh, I would rue the day. If I looked out at 601 and their trash can was out there, oh man. Cause I don't I don't think I'd ever leave a note. But if I just happen to be outside and I would say something like, Oh, what time is it? You know, it's just like oh. I would just wait till their trash can was out at the wrong time and just want to, like the Pharisees did, they were trying to call Jesus on things. Now, obviously, they never like Jesus was always right. So um, you would make them rue the day. I, I would got make confused. them okay. rue the day. Okay. I'm doing the same thing as the Pharisees with other people. Yeah, because it's like let me prove you wrong. Oh yeah, I um, I think we do that in terms of uh, Christian faith. Oh yeah, we're looking for people if they're in the limelight and they say something that. 
don't think I agree with that. Now you're going to look for every reason why you shouldn't agree with them. Mm. And I think that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Yeah. Because we are not going to 100% agree with everybody in our faith. We don't. Just look in your own household. Do you agree 100% with everybody in your home? Yes. All My wife time? is in charge and always <laughs> writes. No, it's true. Help me. You, My name is Carter and I'm in we, trouble. Uh, Carter and I disagree on things at times. <laughs> and we, uh, you're going to have differences of opinion. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong and I'm right or I'm right and you're wrong. But it's it's interesting. We can glean from each other. Oh, that's what you, when you read that scripture, that's what mm-hmm. you feel the Holy Spirit gave to you. Let me talk with you about that. Let's just talk about it. There's a difference there as opposing to I am going to look for any, I'm going to jam my sword in any place I can, yeah. try to find a, a, a chink in the armor, you yeah. know. Well, this is what we talked about at Small Group the other day of how can we spread the message of Jesus. And this is not even people of faith necessarily. This is when you see a coworker or something, you, real differences, mm-hmm. maybe a different religion, certainly different political issues. And um, we, we talked about how, how do we go about that where we don't let differences get in the way? And it really just hit me. If I'm friends with somebody first mm-hmm. and then I find out, oh, this is their stance on that controversial issue and it's different from mine, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to tend to give them more. Gr- I'm not going to quit being their friend, at least, even if we really don't see eye to eye on this or at least I'll give them grace or I'll give them time. But if the first thing I find out about somebody is that's their stance on life or marriage or whatever, then I'm like, I don't really want to get to know them. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the, the solution for me was let's always find a common ground first and build a relationship if possible. Not that we have to be everybody's friend, best friend or anything, but build build something there yeah. with common grounds. Before we even acknowledge the differences. Absolutely. You're, you're, the, you're a fan of the same team. Cool. Let's talk about that. Now we're kind of friends. Well, how do you establish relationship with anybody? Uh, you go to the grocery store because you need groceries. So you've established a relationship with, with the grocer mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on the fact of your need, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so relationship, find your common ground. I think that's great. Exactly. Yeah. And then somewhere down the line, if you're like, I'd really appreciate if you started carrying this product. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you frequented my store so that I actually care about what you have to say. I might actually listen to this customer survey. That's a very good metaphor simile analogy. (laughs) Thank you for one of those. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I I think what you're saying leads directly into um, my, my brother bought me this book. It's called The Jesus Creed. Apparently, I've been living under a rock somewhere because it's like the, I don't know how many years this thing has been out, but like multiple. Okay. Plus, 15 plus years. I'm looking for the, I should look for the date. I don't know. I we don't, really care about the date. So It so bothers thank you. me. <laughs> it's like, why have I, I don't know. Like this, okay, so this was new introduction, copyright 2019. I don't know. Originally 2004. So it's 15 2004. years plus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I finally just got a copy of it. And he's like. I really enjoyed this. I wanted to send it to you, and I appreciated him doing it. And the first part of it is just uh, his opening remarks. It's not even getting into the book yet, the creed itself. But it talks about what love is, and I think it's fascinating. Even in listening to this same guy, Scott McKnight is his name. You can go on YouTube and listen to what his approach is on what love is. He, he basically wants to just start at the very beginning with the building blocks of what love 
what it can be defined as. Mm -hmm. And when he asks a group of students, how do you define love? I mean, what do they do? They go to Webster's because that's how you find definitions. And it's the definition is an expression of, you know, how we look at love or deem love in the United States of America or in English language, which is, you know, it's very emotion heavy. Oh, yeah. Love is a feeling, according to most. It's very deep feeling. And Mm. and that's not necessarily wrong, but that's not all it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, we tend to base our understanding on of words due to culture, due to our surroundings. This is what Hollywood told us love looks like. So this is what love is. Oh, I've fallen in love with this person. But he says we really should be focusing on what does the Bible say love is and that the center of it all in 1 John 4, it tells us that God is love. So what? how do we define love? We really have to look at how God defines love. And it's fascinating. He, he kind of breaks it down for us. He said, first, it's a rugged commitment, which I'm like, wow, a rugged commitment. Like when he makes his agreement, his covenant with Abraham, it's through thick and thin. Like some days... The children of God were great, like happy, like Carter and Kelsey are about to have a baby. So there are going to be days where Ezra is the best baby on the planet. That's right. And then there are going to be days where he wakes you up at 3 a.m. and you're like, you were cuter yesterday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, your baby's going to be perfect. That's always, right. always That's perfect, always cute. But God, see, he made this covenant with Abraham knowing that his kids were going to be in line some days and some days they're going to be out of line. And he knew it was going to be a rugged commitment, but he, through thick and thin, was in it for the long haul. It's a rugged commitment, even when the kids, I mean, you read through the Old Testament stories, even the New Testament stories of how the apostles and the disciples are trying to just get through with the people of the church. Mm-hmm. It's never been an easy road for God in terms of his commitment. But he was in it for the long haul. And then he said, you have to look at it. Yes, effective or influenced by emotion is a part of it because it, it talks about in scripture how God set his affection on something. And that's basically meaning like he fell in love, falling head over heels. You could you could kind of like translate it to mean that. Yeah, it was about emotion. He loves us. But then it... Well, again, can I say on that? Zephaniah, is it 317? Mm -hmm. I just blew my mind. I heard it for the first time in my 20s. It wasn't just... It just wasn't one we learned as a kid for some reason. But he sings over us? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's... You need to look that verse up. That is cool. Have you ever sung over a person? Like somebody you weren't in love with, but I mean like seriously sung. Uh, I've done it once. I don't think so. Like, well, no, I was asked to sing at my brother's wedding, but even then I was super embarrassed. But I, I remember going to my husband, we were dating at the time. I was like, I'm going to sing you a love song. <laughs> How'd it, that go? Well, it, well, I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> he seemed to appreciate it. Okay. But see, God sings over us is not a bear embarrassed and ashamed. That's amazing. That's love. Mm. That's affection. That's emotion. So yeah. he's in it for the long haul. And yes, he's emotional about it, but he's also love is present present with that person that you say that you love is being in it with them. So that's thick, thin, high, low, and God proved that he was in it with them because, I mean, my my word, Scripture's filled with uh, the cloud, the pillar of cloud that the Israelites followed to get to the promised land, followed by a pillar of fire at night. Then there's, you know, the fact that he set his presence in the temple, the Holy of Holies. He was present with his people in the person of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God is with us. This is the quality time love language. Yeah. And then Jesus' words, what did he say 
before leaving this earth and going back to be with his father. In I heaven. will be with you. I'm with you always. How did he do it? He sent his helper. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. Yeah. He's present with us. So I need to be present with people. If I'm if I'm understanding love by how God defines it. Mm. And then it says, um, he's for me. He's an advocate. He's a nurturing presence. You know, if you wonder, does God, does he really get me? Psalm 23 kind of breaks it down in shepherd's terms. Like he makes sure the sheep are taken care of. They are laying in green pastures. They have water. He is with them in the midst of those valley places. Um, there's this incredible guide uh, that was written by an actual shepherd that breaks down Psalm 23 in terms of this is, these are actual places that David is talking about the Valley. Mm. They had to go through these different places during different seasons of the year in order to benefit from them. Like that is a nurturing shepherd. That is a, a comforting shepherd, but it's also God is our warrior. It's presented. So that means he is surrounding us completely. He gives us what we need when we need it. So that's encouragement too. He is for us. He is your best advocate. So I, am I for people? So these are all questions yeah. I need to be asking about myself in terms of relationship with others. Am I number one, ruggedly in it through thick, thin, even when they are, when they're crying at 3am in the morning, am I in it with my little Ezra? You know, am I being emotional with them and allowing them to hear my, my song? Am I singing those songs over people? Am I present? Am I showing them that I am for them? I'm their best cheerleader. And the last part uh, that Scott McKnight talks about is, am I following Jesus and knowing that I have a direction now? My direction is um, being transformed in who Christ is. I want to be Christ-like and having that direction, following after him. If I'm following his lead, and it sounds like he's doing a great job with all of the other things we talked about, then I'm going to be knowing what love is because I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought... That really challenges me on so many fronts. The whole, the book is called The Jesus Creed. And basically it's, it breaks down the two important commandments that when the scholar asked Jesus about what is the most important commandment Jesus said to love God with everything you got. That was a scripture that was very common in Judaism. It was part of the Shema or Shema. And it was a recitation. It was part of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy about loving the Lord your God with everything. In fact, loving him and writing reminders about loving him down, even in uh, writing it in on yourself, on your person, not necessarily a tattoo per se, but uh, they would write it in notes and they would put it in these little boxes called phylacteries and they would attach it to their foreheads. And, and some still arms. do that to this day. To this day, if, especially if they're Jewish or even, I believe, I don't know. I, I, I would have to ask... Um, uh, uh, what is it, a Judeo-Christian. Oh, right, yeah. Someone who is Jewish but has become a Christian. Um, if it was whether that's still beneficial, I would imagine. We put verses everywhere in our house to remind us of his, his goodness. But Jesus changed the Shema or Shema a little bit when he was answering this scholar who right away recognized the verse that he was talking about because a good Jewish boy would know that verse. Uh-huh. You know, that that passage of scripture from Deuteronomy to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, all these things. But then Jesus added something from the book of Leviticus to love your neighbor as yourself. And it changed it up a little bit. I was like, oh, see, I recognize the first part. I recognize the second part, but I've never said it together. And Jesus is saying, this is the most important commandment, but the second one is like it. And I thought, whoa. And so that becomes the basis for the Jesus creed. Um, in, in terms of what does love look like 
and how God puts great emphasis on the loving of others. Yeah. You know? You, I, what it seems like is that at the time before he said that, you could have been very siloed. Everybody was siloed, trying to focus on God, which is good, but then not worried about how you treat others. Is I mean, and I yeah. don't know. I don't know the culture at the time, but it seems like it could have been. And then obviously him saying that blew everybody's mind. Yeah. You know, whoa, this that's on the same level? And then you imagine part of that same conversation. Well, who is my neighbor? And then he tells them the story about the Good Samaritan. Mm which was a person that would have been, um, I, I don't know, in today's culture, maybe you could have said it would have been on the other side of the tracks or uh, maybe even like there was a prejudice involved racism, racism because Samaritans were, quote, half blood or, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. It wasn't a pure breeding situation. And here's the guy that God is using as an example in this moment to tell the story he loved better than any of the people that you would probably around you here, see sitting around you, be more comfortable with in social settings. I'm just telling you that there may be people on the other side of the tracks that know how to love better than the people around you right now. Yeah. And yep. you need to be open to recognizing that your neighbor is anybody that God puts in your way to love. And did you catch my, I didn't say that on purpose, puts them in your way. How many times I have definitely felt like, that person is in my way. <laughs> well, did I ever stop to think that maybe God put that person there? Yeah. To teach me what his love looks like. I think there are two incredible things at HopeOnDemand.com. There is a section called Hard Stuff. Hard Stuff. If somebody's in your way. Uh, but then also a lot of articles on love, too, mm -hmm. that would really help in this situation. Because nobody except for God has love completely figured out. Yeah. And I understand if you say, oh, I could never love that person, if you are talking about today's culture's definition of what love is, according to Hollywood, according to, you know, the romantic fairy tale, whatever, I get that you would have problems loving that person. But God's like, that's not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about perfect love, pure love. I'm talking about myself, who I am and who I want to express that I want to manifest myself in your life. And through Jesus, through his spirit, I can love my enemy. I can do good to those who hurt me. Yeah, I think with your enemy, it's seeing yourself in them, realizing mm -hmm. that you're alike and that you both have faults. And uh, oh, But have you ever said that? I, oh, I, but I'm bad. I've sinned. Yeah, but not but like not that But not like guy. that. No, Jesus would say you were in need of grace. Oh, uh, and in Romans, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's not until I truly receive Paul's words that I truly recognize I'm a disgrace. Yeah. And it's by grace that I am forgiven. I, I think I tried this once and I screwed it up, but I remembered it perfectly the other day. This is what a pastor said once in, in that, if comparing ourselves to other people. Mm -hmm. You might not be as bad as that person, but without Jesus, you are just as bad off as that person. Interesting, okay. Meaning we would all be going to hell yeah. if it wasn't, regardless of how much bad we've done, we've done some bad. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be destined to the same place. And so there's no difference in any of us. It's just, do they have this truth in their lives? Have they accepted the fact that there is a way out mm -hmm. and it's Jesus? And it may not feel fair, 
but we've really defined words loosely in the United States. Over the years, we have maybe diluted them, watered them down a little bit, the meaning of what fair is. It's just, I deserve hell. Yeah. But yeah. God comes into the picture and he says, but I love ruggedly and I love with affection and I am present with you, Rochelle, even when you're not lovely to be with. And I am for you and I want to make you Christ-minded, Christ-like, and I want you to follow after me. And that's, he, he loves us so much. So I deserve that, but by grace, I can receive what he has for me which is the same kind of love that I can dish out to other people who probably either they think they're too bad off and they're too, they're too far gone, or they think that they're good enough without him. Mm. And either way, I think pride takes a, a part in both of those scenarios. I'm too far gone. What you think you can get past the maker of the universe who created you and knows your every in and out, or I don't need you. Oh, cause you don't need the one who put breath in your body. Yeah. You know, and which side am I taking in this moment? And I have played both of those roles, maybe not overtly in my mind, but if I've ever left God out of an equation in my life that I need to be in prayer about and I haven't brought him into that prayer moment, I'm like, man, I'm dealing with all of this stuff and I'm stressing and I'm this and I'm that. I have chosen to eliminate God from the equation. Well, Why do we do that? That oh. goes back to him being for you, one of the components of love that you said earlier, mm -hmm. because there are aspects of my life that I'm like, oh, God doesn't really care about this. You know, God doesn't care about my car trouble, you know? Mm -hmm. And and just to remember that, yeah, you know, it really isn't that big a deal in the long run. I mean, that part's true, but that he's he's still for me and he hopes that I handle my frustration in a Christ-like manner and and maybe he's allowed that to happen so that I can meet somebody at the car car place, you know? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's just he's he's still in it and he's for me and he doesn't want to see me hurt, but he might allow things so that he could build me. So he's still still for me at the same time in all of it. I yeah, I think God is in the small things. He is in the details. But I also think that you're right that there are those parts of the story where Jesus would come along and say, Hey, what is that flower over there? And he'd be like, oh, it is a demonstration of the this and the that. And you can wax eloquence and make all these wonderful things from this picture of the flower. He'd be like, yeah, I call it a lily. Yeah. And then he'd walk on, you know. <laughs> he'd be like, it's just pretty. It's just pretty. <laughs> no, and, and I don't want to make light of that because God, I do believe, is in all the details. But sometimes in. in we. We make we, it. Yeah. Yeah. In some. I don't know. We make it excess when he's like, wait. It's simple. It's so simple and you have made it bigger than it needs to be. Uh, so something that was simple. I just want to share uh, just one thing from Kenya. We just went with compassion mm -hmm. to Kenya and it was just absolutely incredible. Compassion is, if you haven't heard of it, it's an organization where you can sponsor a child for, I believe it's like $38 a month and you can write them letters and they'll yeah. write you back and you yeah. see the progress being made. Well, I, what we did was go over to see what, how exactly it works. And they work with all around the world, by the way. There's 2 million children in the Compassion Program. But here in Kenya, they they work with the local church. And um, kids show up every couple of days or every week or however it works. And they come to this program and their needs are taken care of. And they're given food for their families. And the fees for school is paid for so that they could graduate high school and then even go to college. And otherwise, they would have just been living in the slums with no Another no statistic. Future. So we go to one 
uh, church out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they barely had electricity. Their members, no electricity. Can I interrupt? I want to take back what I said. Another statistic that makes it sound like callous and then that's not human life. Um, Well, and that's true. But you but. Yeah, I, I, you know it's a it's a write off situation. It's not a life wasted, is what compassion's drive is. So I'm I just want to yeah sure re- recant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I said. Thank you, thank okay. you. So they have these members uh, in the middle of nowhere that come to this church. I don't even think I said this when we talked about it first, Rochelle. Okay, these people might be walking an hour or two one way to the church. Mm, I mean, walking, it, it's insane. Yeah, uh, well, how to long? Us. Wait, that's true. That's true. It's like at least we sit in our car on the highway here in traffic for two hours. Uh, that's true. That's a good point. But uh, still, it's just it's so long. It's so hot while we were there. Mm. And they, with nothing, treated us like royalty. Mm. They fed us. They gave us tea time. They put us on the first two rows of the church. And those were where the comfy chairs were. The rest were lawn chairs or standing room only. In fact, the church was so small that with us there, not everybody could get in. So there were some people just looking in the windows from outside uh, for the whole entire church service. Oh. And it just hit me that you don't have to be rich to be generous. Yeah. It could be time. It could be with what you have. And that we, I don't know, we, we first of all, in America, we feel like we're not rich. And believe me, we are. Monetarily so, yes. We are, comparatively. But we're poor in other ways. Yeah. Well, and you, honestly, you make this comparison with what we, I just said about them. Yeah, we're we're poor uh, compared to that. The hospitality that they showed mm-hmm. when we think we want to be hospitable, but but we think we have to have this big smorgasbord of uh, smorgasbord of food, uh, or have this incredible home to host people, or have a big screen TV. And it just, what do you have? Yeah, we can share it. Yeah, it was really cool. I love that. I love getting the perspective of a different culture. Oh, my goodness. It's eye-opening. It is eye-opening when you get outside of your own bubble. And it doesn't mean that you don't have incredible opportunities to witness um, God's generosity and hospitality in in the midst of where you are right now. Because it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And opening my eyes, Lord, I mean, that should ever be a prayer in my mouth and in my brain. Open my eyes to the amazing events that are happening around me today, the miracle of today. Uh, but at the same time, when you have that perspective, and it's so completely, I'm going to use overt twice today. Very nice. I may go a third time, but it'll probably be later outside of your, your okay. range. Carter. Okay, good. But anyway, yeah, when it's so overt, um, it's breathtaking and awesome. And, and I, I like to be able to share those stories even with, with my children. It's, <laughs> it's something that I hate to say. A lot of parents have probably done it once time and they're, you better finish everything on that plate. Uh-huh. You know, there are children starving somewhere would really like those llama beans. And then, of course, <laughs> the kid remarks, well, I would be happy to send them to that person. And then you're like, oh, we can't, though. Yeah. <laughs> Not lima beans in the mail. But yeah. It, uh, basically, all of this was uh, about loving well, including them. Clearly, they did. Yeah. So uh, how about this song? To play us out. This I don't know if you ever heard of Tormel's old band, Royal Taylor. <gasps> Jesus Love. Ooh, oh, yes. It's awesome. That's why Jesus' love is the best love ever. That's, uh, well, we'll just end it there. 
Don't say another word. Overt. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 